0: Are you a technician who wants to set yourself apart? Then the Trusted Technician Podcast is for you. I'm Derek Hofrichter, coach and trainer at SBE, and on this podcast, we will have experienced HVAC coaches and trainers, as well as top-performing technicians, all sharing their tips and strategies to help you be more successful. Hey everybody, this is Coach Derek. The ideas and the strategies that you hear on this podcast come from training and coaching. If you would like access to this coaching, the stuff that you hear these technicians share on this podcast, that's made them super successful. We wanna coach and train you. We're gonna be coming to a city near you for a live two-day in person, where you're gonna be learning how to have higher average ticket, how to close more opportunities and how to become the trusted technician. We're coming to cities such as Nashville, Richmond, Virginia Beach, Charlotte, Phoenix, Houston and Dallas to learn more visit sbeodyssey.com. We'd love to see you there. Welcome to another episode of the Trusted Technician Podcast. This is Coach Derek. Today, I'm speaking to Steve from Blair. He, he's out in California, the desert part of California, right, Steve? Yes. Yeah, awesome. the, the hot part. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Yeah, Steve, uh, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Thanks for having me. So, Steve, you're, you're primarily a comfort consultant. You sell people's systems. It's good yes. that people need air conditioning there in the desert. How did you get into uh, to doing all this?
1: Well, uh, I had an uncle that was in the air conditioning business. So when I was a kid, I'd help him, you know, run duct work and run some service calls. And I never thought about it as being a career for me, you know, because I was going to be a rock and roll star and that didn't work out. But I was always a fix it kind of guy. Even when I was a little kid, I'd tear stuff apart, see how it works and put it back together. And I just sat sat around and I thought, you know what? While I'm going to college, let me go ahead and uh, check out this right here, because I was actually going in for to be an engineer, hmm. and then but I loved fixing things, and so it kind of led me into that HVAC business. Okay, so what was your first HVAC job? Where did you start? My very first one is in Fort Smith, Arkansas, actually, and I went to a company, and they threw me in uh, installing, and I, oh man, I did want to do it. I'm glad I did. The little time that I did, but a technician that just up and quit and they said, man, we need a body inside that truck. And I said, I got a body, let's go, you know, so they threw me in there and, you know, trial by fire, but, but I enjoyed it. I really enjoyed it. How long did you install? Probably about seven, eight months. But when I, my very first one was install. And then when there was an opening with the truck, I jumped on it.
0: Okay. When did you kind of make the move into more of the, the sales, the comfort consultant role? Well, uh, funny story. I, I was working on old, old rain
1: heat pump system, a split system, and the guy didn't want to fix it. So I have alligator clips and wire nuts. And I mean, it, it was just a big spaghetti mess every time I opened it up. And I just looked at him. I said, you know, I think I'm running out of tape and everything else that piece is thing along, you're not doing anything with it. And he just looked at me. He says, see, well, what's a new one cost? And I looked at him. I went, huh? I, I don't know, but, you know, I'm a nuts and bolts guy. But if I gave you a price, what, what would you say? And he goes, yeah, this thing's old. We should replace it. I said, okay. So then I called the office. It gave me a price and I, I showed him the price. He goes, when can you do it? I said, let's call the office again, call the office, you know, a week later, boom. And then I thought,
0: sales, is it that easy?
1: Well, yeah, yeah. I, I think, I think it's like fishing. It's like the, the, the old timers, they're sitting there all day long, getting a sunburn, you know, and then some young, you know, kid will show up and throw right where they're throwing and start catching all the fish, you know? So I think basically it's kind of like, you know, priming you a little bit, like you're, you're hooked on it. And then all of a sudden things change, you know, and what I do enjoy about this is there's no real silver bullet that I've found, but there's nuggets all over the place. And if we just listen to our peers and accept responsibility for our actions, and if we want to be better at our craft and helping customers, I think that's where we really do a deep dive in ourselves and say, Hey, you know, is this what I want to do? Am I helping people? You know, but once you get that bug, and it's exhilarating. I don't care if it's a five thousand dollar sale or a three hundred thousand dollar sale; it's the same feeling for me every single time.
0: Yeah, and obviously, it's right—a joke about it it being that easy. And so, obviously, you do well with it. But what do you think is the hardest part of selling people HVAC equipment? Like, why is it uh, that many struggle and never really find success? Because everyone needs it, it's a it's a product that everyone needs. So what's so hard about it?
1: Well, I tell you, I think a lot of people. I think rejection uh, might be a number one for a lot of folks. They're um, afraid of being rejected. Like, no, I don't want that or or whatnot. So I've been rejected a, a zillion times, you know. So I think that I think a big part of it. And then secondly, I feel that people really they're not personable you know what I mean they're like too cold too dry and uh, and it's hard to warm up to those types of people as well I mean there's a difference between going overboard one way or, or the other but in the beginning um I felt like I didn't want to get rejected you know and then once I got into the group I thought well this is just business there's no hard feelings it's just business and then money A lot of people are afraid to actually ask for the money. You have not because you ask not, you know. So I feel like if you don't ask for the money and be proud of what it is, you know, then they're not going to be really susceptible to what you're saying or what you're talking about. And they may just buy a lower price. So there's a
0: lot of nuances and, you know, the reason why people are afraid to do sales. Yeah, you mentioned a number of things in there, especially money. As equipment goes up, it's only if someone has an issue asking for money that's only going to get worse. Yeah, them, right. Because this is something yeah. that's getting uh, more and more expensive. So, what is your strategy then to get better and to improve? Well, so far, w- what's funny is I always
1: said that you can't teach an old dog new tricks, you know. And what I'm really enjoying when I joined up with Blair is SBE, the whole thing that you guys are doing with the coaching. And being there in the one-on-ones, because now I'm a coach with the guys, but I really enjoy that part of it because it kind of lets me look on the inside, like the OMG, when you do the OMG, you might see some really positive, cool stuff. And then you see some stuff that's like, I don't know, you know, I don't think that's me, but deep down, maybe it is. So I think learning your ego and your pride was
0: very beneficial to me. Okay. So for guys listening to this, you know, different technicians, different comfort consultants, and maybe they're more of like, oh no, this is hard. I I struggle with getting people to open up about their system. I struggle with getting people to tell me, you know, pains or concerns. I feel like I have to have the cheapest price or I have to have discounts in order to get people to give me money. Sure. What would you say to that person who's listening on like how to start tackling this to find success? with selling equipment?
1: Well, well, I I will tell you, I've got uh, a few that I'm uh, coaching right now and just the simple questions. And if I would have known this years ago, this is what did it for him finally. And it took him two months is to ask how long do you want to get out of this unit or how long do you want this unit to last? I, I think it's so impactful for him because once he said that, The lead went from him to me, I go over there and it's a done deal. And he called me up afterwards and said, I can't believe how easy that was. And I told him, yeah, well, you were a chicken for two months. For two months we've been working on this, but now he doesn't care about the the money or anything else. He starts asking specific questions that we've been working on. And once you get over that hurdle, then that just opens a dialogue and then you could dive deeper into what that person's thought process is at that point. Because 90% of the time, they don't know how long they last.
0: Yeah. Let's dive into that. Cause I agree. That is a really, really important question. And it's funny you say that because a lot of technicians or comfort consultants don't ask it because they think it's like a weird question or or something like that. Yeah. Or it's silly. It's a silly question. So why is it such an important question? Like, what are you doing with the info? And the answer to that question. Well, as far as on the technical side, when you ask that question and you
1: see what what needs to be done to hopefully carry that across that finish line of their set time that they're wanting to get out of it, you know, then you start building a case. You know, like, hey, you said that you wanted to get a couple more years out of this. Am I right? Yeah. Well, you know, we've got some issues, and I think that's going to kind of uh, hamper that. We're not going to see that finish line. Uh, or hit your goal of a couple of years unless we address these, you know, that kind of situation. So, but it just, I think it opens a dialogue to where you could kind of dive deeper, but it doesn't have to sound salesy. You know, you look at it, you tell them, how old do you think this is or whatever, or you look at the unit they ask you, you say, how old is it? Then you look and you give them the year. They go, oh, okay. Well, you know, it's only 12 years old. Well, do you know how long these last? No, how long do they last? And then you start asking them those magical questions because they don't know. They really don't know. They could have bought the house 15
0: years ago, and that system's already 22 years. You know what I mean? Who knows? Yeah, I agree. One, your point. Oftentimes, people don't even know the age of their system. They don't know how long they're supposed to last. Mm -hmm. They don't know that there's things that they could do to influence how long does it last. And then maybe they haven't just ever thought about. Their goals they're at the house, so I, I agree it's such a such a great question. What do you do with the person though that's just very I don't know I don't know I don't know how, how do you handle that type of a a homeowner well, I tell
1: you, going through this program, it used to bug me, and I would kind of give up and say right, whatever, but going through this program and I've been doing this a long time, I'm starting to enjoy the cat and mouse and I get behind them you know, so I hang out and I'm right behind them and Hey, if you don't care, I don't care. Well, you know, what do you want me to do for you? I'm here. You're paying me to be here. What do you want me to do? Kind of thing, you know? And usually when people are standoff rush like that, uh there's personalities that are like that, no doubt. But also there could be someone that just doesn't want to hear bad news or they, they think you're going to get into their pocket, but it's really their fault. The reason why we're in their pocket because they're not taking care of their system or or whatnot, you know? But yeah. being behind them, uh, it really makes everything so much
0: easier knowing when to do that and just stay there. Well, that's good. Kind of an interesting switch topics a little bit. So obviously you have a long background in HVAC, working your way up, install all the way through. Others arrive at the spot that you're in now as comfort consultant with no HVAC background at all, right? They wouldn't be able to do any of the repairs, Yeah, know, but, but, um, but they're great at selling systems. They're actually like really, really good. Do you feel like your specific background helps you or are there times when it actually maybe gets in your way?
1: I, I personally feel that at times it can't get my way. So that's where I'm learning. My ego's not my amigo, you know? So (laughs) I was like a super tech, right? And I can fix everything. And so I thought people enjoyed my knowledge, but they didn't care. They don't care. The other day I sold a pretty big project and by the end of it he's all signed up, deposit and all that. And he goes, What I buy anyways? You know, it's like, oh okay, yeah, let's go back through that. And I did that specifically because I didn't want to go into the SEER, the ear, the HSP, you know, how things work. I just wanted to kind of roll that through and see. And he bought one of the best systems and he didn't even know what he got. So I think that sometimes the techie part,
0: too techie, no checkie, really plays a big part. I might make the, the title of this episode, uh, Your Ego's Not Your Amigo. <laughs> like, <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> yeah, I that a lot. So Steve, kind of one, one final area to talk about, because now, you, like you said, you're kind of in a dual role, right, where you also coach and help out guys. There's a massive shortage in this industry of people moving in to being techs, to being salespeople, no. right? There's a gap. If there's someone listening to this that they're not currently in the trades and maybe they've got an interest, I, I think we kind of need to help bring more people into this field. So, what would sort of be your encouragement as to why someone should sell systems? Why would that be a good career uh, for someone to get into?
1: Well, people do things for different reasons, but I think that when you get into HVAC, it's tough work, you know, especially out here in the desert. It's hot, but I think that it depends on the person and what motivates them, what drives them, you know, but being in this career, it's an honest uh, day's work for a great pay. And then once you learn and once you know how to take care of your customers and you're doing things right, the sky's the limit in, in this industry. There's no limit. The only limit is what we put on ourselves.
0: I agree. The, the HVAC industry as a whole needs to, I think, get better at recruiting, right? Showing like the positive benefits of your whole career was in here. And it's allowed you to have a good life, you know, and everything. And I think a lot of people are uh, missing out or they give it a try. They don't find immediate success and that discourages yeah. them also. Right.
1: Well, I find that in this day and time, the younger generation, and I don't mean to talk bad about the younger generation, <laughs> but it's more of a instant gratification. And this is more of a long haul type of career. And it's been a great career. I've, you know, my houses are paid off, my vehicle. I mean, I'm, you know, going on vacations, you know, kind of like living a dream. I could do whatever I want to do, but it is hard work, but it's honest, you know, it's an honest work. And at the end of the day, you're helping somebody, you're changing the way
0: they feel inside their home. And that's really powerful if you let it be. I, I love it. Thank you. Steve, thanks so much for joining our podcast and sharing with everybody. Sure. Sure. It was great. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Trusted Technician podcast. If you would like to learn more about SBE, you can find us online at sbeodyssey.com. If you enjoyed today's episode, we would appreciate it if you would leave us a review. Thank you for tuning in and we'll see you next time.